0: Thank you, Daniel. What kind of a world are we imagining with one, of enough, with one another? This is the question that we are asking ourselves well, pretty much all the time here at Unity Spiritual Center. Is we gather together to discover, to understand with one another how to create a world that works for everybody. And we are intentionally focusing in our fall program this year on some ideas that can help us in a way of revolutionary love. We're using for that, of course, Valerie Korr's book, See No Stranger, a memoir and manifesto of revolutionary love. And I want to just review real briefly what we have talked about so far. There are three focuses to revolutionary love, and all three focuses must be engaged. And so the first focus that we looked at together was to love others, those that we recognize as other. And those that we see as other are typically those people who don't have a particular charge, an emotional charge within us. Maybe the person who's checking you out at the grocery store or the person that you pass along the street or your neighbor. These are others that we, we see as somebody separate and outside of ourselves, but there isn't a great emotional charge behind our relationship with them. And so Valerie invites us, to a practice of revolutionary love and that practice being one in which we choose to see no stranger, to recognize and realize that each one is our brother or our sister or our mother or our father or our aunt or our uncle, and to know that if we see them as other, they're simply because they are a part of us that we don't yet know. And so we engage in this practice of keeping our eyes open to seeing each one in wonder, wondering about them and about their lives and who they are. And as we keep our eyes open in wonder, our heart stays open, and we engage in the practice of revolutionary love with others, seeing no strangers. So that might have been challenging for some of you, but for many, that is not such a big challenge when there's not a big emotional charge around it. But now we've moved into the middle part of the book, which is to see no stranger in our opponent. Our opponent who believes differently than us. Our opponents who have different ideas than us. Our opponents that have different worldviews than we have. And what I've heard this week is that this particular section of the book is really challenging Joanne. Yes. It is. Because you see, unlike the other, where there was no emotional charge with our relationship with them, when we have an opponent, there is an emotional charge. We see things fundamentally different than each other. And in that place of difference, we rub up against each other. And I know for myself, where I immediately go to when I run into the opponent is that place of defense. And as long as my heart is closed in defense, I can't engage in this revolutionary love. And so we are invited to take these ideas, take them, and practice them with those who don't think like us, who may hold ideas different than us. This is not a new teaching, right, to engage in revolutionary love with those that we don't agree with from the Gospel of Luke. Chapter 6, Jesus tells us if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. This is the opening statement that Jesus makes before he gets to the lines that we all know, right? And that is love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend them without expecting anything back. Love your enemies. It's not a new concept, that idea of revolutionary love to our opponents. Within the unity tradition, uh, Eric Butterworth tells us something similar. He tells us, and I found this on Truth Unity, it is normal to want to be with only those people with whom you are comfortable. But this is neither realistic nor healthy. If you were surrounded only with those who agree with you, life would be quite static. We must condition ourselves to enjoy and learn from diversity within unity. We are all children of God, yet we are all different from one another. Don't expect people to always agree with you or follow your styles or manners or mores. Don't expect people to live with you. Accept them as human beings just as you want them to accept you. So here we have, within our own spiritual teachings, within Christianity and what Jesus taught us, very similar ideas to what Valerie Cor is inviting us to love, revolutionary love, our opponents. And so last week we talked about the practice to doing that. Revolutionary love means that I engage with this other in a conversation and listen for deep understanding. It's a listening for understanding. So, this was a, a very public conversation on my Facebook page. So, Larita, if you're out there watching, I love you and I'm so grateful for you for having this conversation with me because I'm sure it is a conversation that others within our community are also thinking about. Because Larita reached out to me and said, you know, this is all great, but what happened? If I've already listened to my opponent, I've already heard what they have to say, I already understand where they're coming from, and there's no movement towards meeting with one another. Don't you think that this is giving us false hope to think that we just need to sit down and listen to one another for agreement? What happens when that's not working? And I so appreciated Loretta in bringing me that idea because I'm guessing that there are others of you out there thinking the same thing. And so I think it's very important to remember that Valerie Kaur is not inviting us to um, this practice of deep listening to change the other's mind. She is not inviting us into this practice so that we can find a place of common ground. She is not inviting us to this practice to change that opponent. What she's inviting us to with that deep listening and that understanding is to allow our own heart and mind to be changed. Because what happens is when we see that opponent, we begin to see them as other, push them away in our defenses, and we are changed in the process, away from this love that we in unity declare is the harmonizing power. I want to be changed so that I don't move to defense, so that I don't move to anger or to hatred, but instead keep my heart open by deeply listening to you, then I change. And so if there's anything I want you to hear about these ideas of opponent, it is that we are not going about this to convince someone that we are right. We are not going about this to be convinced that someone else is right. We are going about this to keep our hearts open in love. Period. Because once we can do that, then we can continue to move through the activity of our lives, open to that divine revolutionary love to reimagine a world together. But here's the other piece that I think we have to keep in mind. You recall that last week I shared with you that Valerie sees us creating an ethic of love within our greater society. But she didn't see that as happening next week or even next year. She sees this as something that we can move towards over the next 25 years. This takes time. And so what we are invited to is, how can I move through the activity of this day when I meet an opponent listening deeply so that my heart can stay open in love so that together as more and more of us do this, love can be the ethic that we claim over a long period of time. It's like that idea of somebody believing, having faith in the future, that they're willing to plant a shade tree today, even though they may never sit under the shade of that tree. That's the work that we are doing in revolutionary love. So I want to bring up something that I've been talking about actually for the last couple of weeks. And some of you may be tired of hearing this, but I think it's important because we are right in the middle, uh, just over a week away from a political election that has caused so much divisiveness, so much polarization, so much of opponent against opponents that we can no longer hear one another. And what Valerie reminds us is that when we do that, when we other each other at that degree, we begin to take people out of their humanity. We begin to forget that they too are a mother or a brother or a niece or a nephew living their lives and having their beloveds in their lives. We forget. As instead, we begin to see one another as, for example, the libtards or The reshugglicans, or the baby killers, or fill in the blank, right? You've heard them all. You've heard all of the name-calling that takes place. And what we do is we get into this habit of name-calling one another so that we can keep ourselves from remembering our connection within our humanity. And in that name-calling, in that your side and my side, we create this divisiveness that we're so sure they, the politicians in Washington, need to stop and heal. I read that this week. It was a reply to one of our Unity Spiritual Center's videos that was like, yes, but they need to stop dividing so that we can stop being divided. Well, let me invite you to a different perspective, a revolutionary love perspective, if you will. A way to go through this moment where there are so many opposing sides in a revolutionary way. And that is that we don't have to wait, that we are the people. We are the people. I love Daniel Song coming into this. He's also been... Um, putting up a uh, video on Facebook every day about the silence and the stillness. It's been fabulous. And I watched that the other day, and he talked about, he knew it by heart, I don't, the preamble of the United States Constitution. And this is what it says. Thank you, Daniel, for this reminder. We, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice Ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, and promote the general welfare and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. We the people, not you the politicians, we the people, must come together and demand a way together to to meet one another. Deeply listening to one another, moving beyond the name calling with one another, opening our hearts and opening our minds. Some may be under the belief that I think you and I need to go out and look for ways where those opponents are showing up, up because we have talked in this series about big issues like racism and the health inequality and income inequality and all of those different injustices that we see in our world today. And so you might have this idea that I now have to go out and find big ways to make big differences. But what I'm inviting you to today is this understanding that all you need to do is step into this idea that I am we the people. And as I am we the people and I pay attention to those ones who are in my life that I consider opponent because they're holding an idea different than me, I have the ability to stop, to make the choice, to listen deeply so that I can return to that practice of seeing with eyes of wonder, of curiosity, of wanting to know you, and what moves you, and what gets you excited, and what are you hurt about. We are all living lives to the best of our ability. And we all have a vision of what we want this world to be. And it is up to us, we the people, to come together and to unite with one another. So I'm really aware, even in our little Unity community here, Unity Spiritual Center Westlake, what a beloved community it is. But we don't all share the same worldview. We don't all share the same exact ideas. We have opposing sides and different ideas. And sometimes it's a little bit scary to stand up here and share some of these things thinking I might be adding to the polarization in our community because I don't want to do that. Each time that I speak about these things, it's coming from this place of our first and second unity principles, which is that God is good and absolutely present within everyone is that divine Christ-like that we are. And that each one is a unique expression of the divine. And that each one should be upheld within their divinity, should be upheld within the divinity within our humanity having opportunities together to shine that divine light. That's where I'm coming from. How can we meet one another with opposing ideas and remember these truths together? So we don't have to go far to look. We can find it right here in our community. We can find it right within our families. We can find it right within our workplaces. We can find the opponents wherever we look. The opponent might even be in my own mind and the ideas that I hold in my own mind that are out of alignment with the truth that I know, the ideas that I hold of that other that I want to dehumanize, forgetting the divinity within their humanity. I can find an opponent in so many places and I don't need to look hard. And I imagine you can too. But how can we, the people, come together and set aside those ideas so that we can find a place together to reimagine, to reimagine a world that works for all, that 25 years from now love can be our collective ethic. So as I've thought about this, and as I've thought about what this particular time is for us, With this national election that is so polarizing, as I invite us as a community to this place of revolutionary love, I became aware of an organization that is out there called Braver Angels. Braver Angels is an organization committed to creating conversation. This is what Braver Angels says, we do not accept division. We reject normalizing of extreme polarization. We say no to the breakdown of the political and social lives that it brings. Our work is about restoring civic trust in the United States. It's about healing the wounds between the left and the right. It's about challenging institutions to be better, building community together, discovering what it means to be Americans together. Our work is about supporting that more perfect union that was talked about in the preamble of the United States Constitution of we, the people. And so they've created a opportunity, a dialogue opportunity after the election called With Malice Toward None. And I have decided that we at Unity Spiritual Center Westlake are going to participate in this. So this is what With Malice Toward None is about. We, the people, will have both the opportunity and the responsibility to seize the post-election moment by bringing Americans together in our communities. Now, here's what I want us all to remember. We're all longing for that November 4th date when this election will be done. But on that November 4th date, our work, the work of we, the people, will continue No matter which way the election goes, that will not change. And so we will come together to have, seizing this post-election moment, to have a conversation. The goal is to create a space for people to deal with their emotions, both positive and negative. To build our capacities for working together to address our common challenges. And to commit ourselves to a renewed citizenship. This is not about covering over strong political difference or encouraging people to support whoever wins the election. This is not that. Please hear me. It is about a commitment to respecting the humanity of those who differ from us. It is about recognizing our foundational role as citizens to be the architects and agents of a more perfect union. There it is, that perfect union and we, the people, from the preamble of the Constitution. You see, I am done waiting for them to get their act together, to create a world that works for all. I'm about unity is about each of us taking our individual responsibility and asking what is mine to do as we deeply listen to one another as Valerie encourages us to do, but then together to reimagine what will our world look like as we move from November 4th forward. What will it look like if we, the people, come together and have these conversations? What will it look like if, as we, the people, come together and have these conversations, we begin to reimagine a world that works for all? What will it look like if then we begin to demand that our representatives in Washington do the same thing? It's beyond time. We must find a way to come together, and I believe we have the power within us to do so. We have the power of understanding within us. We have the power of harmonizing love within us. And we have the power of imagination within us. And as we engage in our wisdom together, we can reimagine a world in which revolutionary love is the way that we move through these days together. So as Loretta reached out to me on Facebook this week and asked, was I giving false hope? That all we had to do is sit down and listen to one another. I responded, this is where I find my hope. Because I recognize my job is not to convince anybody. It's not to change anybody. It's not that. It's to leave myself open to loving always, even when I want to close my heart down in defense. There's my practice. There's where I find my hope that I have the power to keep A heart open in love. And so this is what we are invited into this week. To engage in the power of our imagination. Imagination is that that sky blue. Imagination is that watching the clouds go by and seeing the shapes and forms and imagining what can be there. Can we imagine together seeing the various shapes and forms of our world and can we see beyond them to what beauty can be created? As together we listen deeply to one another, acknowledging the feelings. Remember, that's a part of it, acknowledging the feelings that arise. That will be part of this with malice toward none experience. But then, rising up, we the people, to discern in wisdom and in love, where do we go from here? Uh, just a couple of more details about that particular event. It will actually be a series of four conversations, and I'm hoping that information will be up on the website this week. I kind of gave it to marketing, like, really late, Friday. <laughs> so we'll see how, what happens. But what I know for sure is that on the 11th, And 12th of November, a Wednesday night and a Thursday night, one day will be for those who are distressed by the results of the election, and the other day will be for those who are delighted by the results of the election. We'll come together separately first so that each one can process where they're at in that moment without the other side, without that opponent. And then we'll come together for what's called a fishbowl experience on November 22nd, a Sunday, so 12.30 after service, people will be invited in our Connecting in Community Zoom room to have what's called a fishbowl experience where some of those on either side will participate in a dialogue, listening for understanding, while the others of us will observe that conversation. And then we'll come together one more time the first Sunday in December at 1230, to again come together and hold the intention and commitment that I am willing to move forward, releasing the divisiveness, releasing the polarization within my own thoughts, words, and actions so that we, the people, can find a new vision for this world. So I hope you'll mark your calendars and plan to join me for those conversations. It is so Important that we find our way. Nothing magical is going to happen on November 3rd. We will all wake up on November 4th with our work to do still. I don't care how this election turns out. I'm willing to do the work and I'm inviting you to join me in doing that work. So, what is our practice for this week besides? planning to come and join me for that conversation. What are we going to be doing this week? We have our um, bookmarks. There are still some available outside of Unity Hall that have intention cards on it. Many of you have picked those up, and you are sending me in your pictures, so we've gained 10 pictures now of your intention cards. Our web is growing. This week we're using the blue one, the sky blue one here for reimagination. is going to be your practice. So here is what you are invited to. This is a little bit bigger. I'm just letting you know. Take time this week to engage in the power of imagination and imagine the world that you would like to see. Do you know how much of my time is spent imagining a world I don't want to see? Let's shift that this week. Let's imagine a world we would like to see. Be as specific as possible in your imagination. What does this world look like, feel like? What do systems of care, government, justice, education, and healing look like in the world? Take the time to write down your vision. See it clearly in your mind. What would you like to see? What does that look like? And then here's the important part. Because just like we can't wait for those politicians in Washington to heal this division. We, the people, have to do the work. I'm inviting you to think about what is one action you can take each day to bring about that world that you see. And again, you don't have to go look way far for it. It might be that you create an opportunity for a conversation with a coworker that you've been pushing to the side to listen deeply with them. It can be a family member. It can be a spouse, right? It can be your children. It can be close to you that you practice these things. But each of us has a role to play. And that role is to show up moment by moment by moment in that place of open-hearted love. So what can you do each day to bring this vision, your vision, into demonstration? We are the ones we've been waiting for and together, we will create a world that works for all as we each go about doing what is ours to do in loving wisdom. Thank you, and God bless.